Welcome to For the Record. I'm excited to have Sean Gaines, well-known for his mark on Relativity, Able, and now Certify, as part of our series on marketing and innovation. Sean Gaines is one of those rare individuals who regularly masters the challenges of communicating complex concepts and content within a demanding domain, and also shares that information in a concise and cogent manner that can be easily understood by professionals, partners, and providers. Sean will be sharing his wisdom on what types of marketing and what types of content storytelling will help companies gain visibility in 2022. Thank you, Sean, for being on today's show. Yeah, it's great to be here, Val. So for our listeners out there, please tell us a little bit about yourself. So yeah, I'm, I'm Sean Gaines. I'm, I'm uh, based here in Chicago. I actually got my, my career started in technical writing and journalism, which I did for a long time. But then, you know, probably about 12 or 13 years ago now, I moved into, into marketing and, and started at a, a small startup at the time called Kcura, uh, a little less than 100 people, I think, when I started. Um, they made a product called Relativity, and then ended up staying there for a huge portion of my career, almost almost ten years, taking that company from from a hundred person to a, a twelve hundred, thirteen hundred person company by the time I left. So getting to be a part of that journey through just about every phase of, of growth, and then more recently, I was at a, a, a startup called Able in the staffing tech or HR tech space, and we just got acquired by a company called Bullhorn which is more of a like the relativity of the staffing industry. Wow. And you know, I'm I've I've really enjoyed that journey of of kind of taking these smaller companies with a ton of potential and helping them grow and get through all of the phases. So I'm hoping to do that again at Certify um, in the contract space selling into hospitality. That's amazing. So let's just start at Relativity, um, just because you spent so much time there. And I definitely wanted to ask about your career path um, going to ABLE and now Certify. But at your time of Relativity, you, in essence, saw Relativity go from a startup to a mid-sized company to an enterprise company, and you marketed during each stage of the company's growth. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a ride <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, lot, very interesting, very different almost every day. Um, and I think at at Relativity specifically, at least there, so much of our marketing was dependent on the sales model. So at Relativity mm-hmm. at that time when I joined, it was we were very dependent on selling through our channel. And uh, my understanding is Relativity is still is still in that boat today for a big portion, mm-hmm. but doing a little bit more on the direct side. But at that time, it was pri- almost almost entirely through the through the channel. So very much of our marketing was focused on how do we build a a brand that supports all of these providers and partners out there who are selling Relativity on our behalf. So the focus was a little less on you know your traditional demand gen type of tactics and a lot more of getting us out there as the premier technology that you, a litigation support professional or an attorney, should be using. And then you don't even have to buy from us. We have 100 other people out there in the market talking about us. So as long as we're getting our name out there, and now you're going to one of Relativity's partners, you go to that partner because they have Relativity, Mm -hmm. or you go to that partner and ask to use Relativity. So there's Mm -hmm. this heavy focus on things like PR and events that were about building relativity for 
the brand that it is and, and getting the, the product out there really embedded mm-hmm. in the industry. Now, as we grew, the sales model shifted a bit, especially once we went from on-prem to SaaS with, with the release of Relativity One, where we were selling a, a bit more to law firms and corporations, often still hand-in-hand with the mm-hmm. channel, um, but with these more hand-to-hand combat type of, of marketing, we moved, did, did a lot more in the way of demand gen. Um, we had BDRs probably for the first time, really just doing some cold calls and, and some of the more traditional email campaigns that you'll find in uh, a marketing function that's more about building up the, the top of the funnel. Um, so mm-hmm. it was less dependent on... I guess the stage of the company, but more what that meant for how we sell and how we saw the potential growth in the market. Um, so I don't, I don't want it to sound like like this is so unique to Relativity that it's not applicable for other companies. Because right. I think, I think as you grow, like it's it's important to understand where your market is and where your sales model is to make sure mm-hmm. that your marketing aligns with it. Um, right, right, and I, I think just from a I, I would say, especially doing PR for so many years, like a common misnomer is that, you know, oh, PR is just for, just do a press release and it's just that. And it's, but, um, and that it's like common throughout the entire life cycle from startup to, you know, to actually enterprise because we've marketed and, and done PR for, you know, a wide variety of companies. Um, I prefer startups myself, but, um, you know, I think at each stage, just like it is in marketing, it's it becomes more layered. It's more of a layered approach. It's more sophisticated, and it becomes, I think, more strategic at a larger company. And this is just my own personal opinion, because you have to understand all the different pieces, and there's more pieces to it. And so the strategy changed. Yeah. Um, did you find that as part of you know relativity? I completely agree. You know, I think, uh, um, you know, for, for at Relativity and, and at Able, like mm-hmm. a, in, in my experience, that that PR piece is pretty important. Like it's it's a lot a lot mm-hmm. of times it's easy to. I, I find most smaller companies tend to think the other way. Not trying to make a right. sweeping <laughs> generalization, but <laughs> yeah. But um, going back to demand gen strategies are just what we need right now because building business and we're starting to grow. Now, right. suppose if you're looking at a, like a short-term runway, you're not looking to be a larger, meaningful company. Maybe you're going for like a sale in one to two years. That right. can make that can make sense. But if you're trying to build something a little bit more meaningful, and you kick off PR and building that even even a, a foundational PR strategy right. until you're bigger, that's that's a waste because now the demand gen piece is, is you're missing an opportunity to make demand gen easier by having a name right. that's going to trigger recognition once, once people see it. So I feel Absolutely. like for longevity, if you don't invest in that strategic marketing early enough, you're going to find yourself a bit on, on your heels. Um, yeah. And sometimes too late. Absolutely. So I, I didn't want to comment on one thing because I thought it was really, I think, instrumental in terms of the success of Relativity is they had a lot of focus on the content strategy and strategic vision to grow the company. Can you comment a little bit about how you formulated your content strategy and you know, where you were looking so that Relativity could grow um, the way that it did? Yeah, for sure. I think I get that. Yeah, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, at, at Relativity and if you've ever been to Relativity Fest, like, yeah. like, we were never shy about being clear about what we're trying to accomplish as an organization. And it was right. always two or three steps ahead of where the product was today. Like, mm-hmm. you know, orig- originally it was all about review and then it was about being this end-to-end e-discovery tool. Then analytics came into play so strongly that we needed to get the machine learning component in it. And um, I was just texting with one of my buddies who's still there and he's talking about how AI is now front and center. So right. this, this evolution is happening and, and relativity is always really clear about it. And I think what's great about that is is one, we would communicate that with customers so it wasn't it was never a surprise if suddenly the product started to go in a different direction or if suddenly mm-hmm. one release was more heavily invested in this specific topic than mm-hmm. than the past releases. Um, but then two, it helped guide the content strategy. Like we were able to put together a PR strategy that was for what we wanted to be in in two years. Like yeah. uh, um, you know, David David Horgan friend of all, many of us uh, in, in yeah. the legal space. He's over there at Relativity. We hired him probably two years before we needed a David Horrigan because yeah. it was important to start having those conversations around thought leadership and being more embedded in case law. And and that was right when we first started talking more to attorneys. You know, again, when we were working with, with partners and building more on like the PR side in the early days, it was yeah. a lot of talking to mm-hmm. litigation support. And as we started to talk to more attorneys, you know, we needed to be able to speak their language. And, and part Absolutely. of bringing in someone like David um, to support the marketing function was was doing that. And, and we did it even a little before we got there because we knew where we were heading. Right. Very cool. So so after all this time, then you switched to ABLE and you became the CMO of ABLE, which is a completely different in a completely different vertical, the HR vertical. Um, could you tell me what that was like, switching from legal to HR and some of the, some of the challenges um, as well as opportunities for you in, in becoming a CMO of a company completely in a different vertical? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there, there was a, a quite a few differences. I mean, law firms are complex. And the legal... <laughs> The legal world is very complex, and I and I've come to realize, looking back, how how much time I had to spend just learning it, and mm-hmm. understanding that it's not a simple sale when you're selling into a law firm. You need to be talking to maybe the the at least for relativity as an example, you need to be talking to the litigation support professionals, but also engaging with the attorneys who are going to be the ones making the final decision, and then some cases bringing in CIOs and tech leaders who may be a a different function. And it just, it got pretty complicated. And even when you got to corporate legal, there was also a a, a lot of complexity in that. Um, But but there are some big similarities in that legal and HR are both very people-centric businesses. Um, mm-hmm. And one thing I did find that I found was transferable, and I think this was this was interesting. As I now that I'm switching jobs again, is finding those pieces of commonality. Um, one one being, you know, it, the the who is who is the ultimate person benefiting from the product, mm-hmm. and how do you engage mm-hmm. them in a way to turn them into advocates for the product? So, it, relativity, it wasn't necessarily the buyer or the attorney who was going to be in there in the system all the time. 
Um, but what they were trying to do is use a system that would help benefit their client. So how mm -hmm. do we make it where relativity produces results that are best for your client? And in the same way, Able was, was building a it's, a, it's a workflow for onboarding candidates into jobs. And this is in the staffing industry where you are maybe onboarding 1,000 candidates in one month, hoping that 500 wow. actually finish the application and show up at work. Um, mm -hmm. So you need to make a very easy, positive experience for candidates in your software. So in both cases, there it's, it's using a lot of case studies, trying to tell the stories of what this meant for the person who is most important to the person you're selling mm -hmm. to. If that makes sense, versus yeah, you know, there's you know, we you can talk all day about relativity or able is going to make you the recruiter or you the attorney's life a little bit easier. But let me tell you, attorney, how it's going to help you win your case, or let me tell you, right. uh, recruiter, how it is going to make sure that less candidates drop off during the onboarding process. Got it, got it, and. With your time at Able, I'm just kind of curious, what was the marketing mix that you used to actually put the company on the map eventually to be sold to one of the largest companies out there in the, in the HR vertical? Yeah, so for us, it was, uh, you know, when I, when I joined, not surprisingly, as a, as a startup, it was heavily focused right. on demand gen. And even mm -hmm. that still wasn't quite built out, but it was, let's, let's get out there and let's talk to some big staffing firms. And, and yes, that was important, but there was no, there was no brand or, or there was no, definitely no equity in the brand. In fact, I mm -hmm. rebranded almost immediately after starting at Able. It was called Employee Stream. And then we quickly mm -hmm. rebranded, started to invest a little bit more into that piece of it. So the mix did shift. And in fact, also, I started during the pandemic, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but um, yeah. they were heavily focused on events being the primary uh, driver of demand gen. So mm -hmm. from, the, from the beginning, everything that we at Able believed about what we needed to be doing, we couldn't do. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, it shifted quite a bit. Now, events were out of the picture, and we were trying to build a company that wasn't just about... Uh, the number of customers it had, but that there was actually equity in in the brand that made it a little bit more valuable, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just we wouldn't just get acquired for our customers, but for who we are in the market and what it means to be acquiring mm -hmm. a company like Able. Um, so we did start investing more in um, some some PR and, and press releases. We didn't do quite the same strategic investment as we did at Relativity, where we were going for longevity. Mm -hmm. Um, right. just enough to be loud uh, uh -huh. and, and enough to have a provocative website with, with strong stories and good logos, right? So like That's heavily good. focused on the customer advocacy piece of it. And then a huge focus on demand gen, particularly some ABM strategies, bring in some of those big names accounts that we can also slap their logos on the website yeah. and, and create in, a, in short order, <laughs> create uh, a, a whole company that's filled with equity versus an organization that has a couple wins under their belt that are valuable. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's funny because um, when people think about 
investing in the brand, um, especially when you're at the startup phase, everybody's like, oh, we're going to do it later. We're going to invest later. But I, you know, by investing in the brand and starting with the brand, you're able to see it grow. And that actually helps um, exponentially, especially when you're looking to do an exit, just um, just from my, my experience. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And and I, I think, like we mentioned before, it can it can be an afterthought for right. a lot of companies to to invest in the brand because it's so it's so squishy, right? <laughs> like yes. A, you know, no, no marketer. I don't think any marketer has cracked the code of of really going to their CEO and and proving no. the efficacy of brand building efforts. Um, <laughs> exactly. But exactly. it matters. It, it it still matters, and it, it's part of the overall equation. Um, and and yeah, even even in the case of Able, where we were looking mm-hmm. for short term growth, not longevity, it still was important to create that that holistic enterprise that has value. Um, uh-huh. And and I've certainly seen that in other startups that I've seen in the space or that I know have been successful. Generally, they they're the ones that have built equity from the beginning. That's that's great. And now. Now you're going to be starting at Certify, and because it's a third vertical market that you've been in over the last, I would say, five years, how are you moving so quickly and coming up to speed so quickly on three different vertical markets, you know? Yeah, I mean, that that assumes I really nailed it each time, which I don't think is, <laughs> is, is fully true. I think you did, yes. <laughs> I, it's tough. It's really tough. I, I think in relativity, I, I got there for sure. Um, yeah, and I think I think what I learned at Relativity that I then carried over to Able was how important it is as a as a marketer to understand your product and industry. Like yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, f- I feel like uh, uh, that that marketers can fit into like one or one or two buckets. There's like the marketers that align themselves the most with sales, and then uh, mm-hmm. um, marketers that align themselves most with product. And and I feel like I tend to be one of the latter. <laughs> Where I yeah. get really invested and interested in the product, like I love to see the demo whenever I'm interviewing at a job, and make sure that I can get like really interested and geek out about that product, because once I feel like for me personally at least, once I can do that, suddenly the ability to transition and figure out the marketing mix and what it needs to look like at each organization becomes becomes a lot easier. Um, yeah, because like tactically, the tactics aren't that different, right? Like partner marketing mm-hmm. at Relativity wasn't significantly different than marketing partner marketing at Able, um, right? But coming into a role where you know I'm responsible for creating the strategy for the next one to three years of what our marketing efforts are going to look like, if I expect to come in there and take my experience from my last two jobs, slap it on a, a you know put it in a different word document and say, hey, here's our strategy, that's it's not going to work. Um, it's not going to work. I mean, it might might like you know keep you keep you afloat, but it's not gonna it's not gonna have a meaningful impact unless you first take the time to geek out about about the company and the industry in whatever way makes sense for you. Yeah. What would you say kind of sustained you from the commonality perspective in terms of like your marketing prowess for all these three different verticals? And what's the secret to pivoting? Yeah, you know, I think one is, um, you know, and like I will be cognizant. I'm, I'm talking from an N of three 
This thing, this sample yeah. size isn't, isn't massive. <laughs> and then let's, let's, for all intents and purposes, assume I will be hugely successful at certify. Um, but, um, I, I, I think one is the the vetting of the companies. Like I, yeah. I, I spent, I, I remember when I took the job at Kcura many years ago, I was in the process with a couple other companies that had names that were like bigger yeah. brands that I knew of. And I just kind of liked the people and the culture and what they were trying to accomplish at Kcura. And I remember when I took mm-hmm. the job, it was a, it was a risk. I'm like, I don't know much about yeah. this company. I don't know much about legal. I, I did it, certainly didn't understand what it was I was going to be selling. Um, yeah. And and even with with Able, I remember this was right before the pandemic, being in the office and asking for a demo, and then seeing the demo, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting, but like, uh, what's behind the scenes? Like, what what makes this unique? And there were these. I love it. Yeah, and there was like this focus on configurability and customizability and making sure that it was flexible enough to support customers. And I'm like, oh, this reminds me of what made Relativity successful. I think we can do something Rise. with this. Um, and, and I see the same in certify. Um, that's awesome. So, so that's, that's, that's one. And I think the, I think the other, I guess, secret, <laughs> if, if you will, is, um, you know, the, the, the humility to go into a job knowing that you might have however many years of marketing experience, but it doesn't mean that you know how to market to this particular audience. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and taking the time to learn about it and be thoughtful and strategic in your approach um, versus just rushing in. And I, I feel like marketers do love to try to make an impact immediately. Um, yeah. And you, I mean, you know, everyone, everyone wants that. But if you, if you try to go into it without first taking the time to understand what it is that you're doing and how it's different than what you did before, um, it's not going to work. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. That's really great advice. That's really, really great advice. So switching gears a little bit, you were a marketer way before the pandemic and you're a marketer now. How did marketing during the pandemic and after the pandemic, call it after the pandemic, knock on wood, which I just did, like how is how is it different now in this world versus before? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's certainly a lot that has changed and it, it, it is a strange time, right? We're calling it post-pandemic, but we got, I mean, what, it wasn't legal tech pushed off a couple months? Yeah, like, <laughs> a month, only a month. A month, a month. okay. Yeah, because we'll solve it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it is, we're still in this kind of nebulous time. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do think some of the things that are, that are very different you know, and I think I think bringing up events is a, is a good one. Like the way we engage people, it has to be very different. Um, like if you're a marketer, if you're not building up your skill set in digital, yeah, it's not a good. It's not. It's not looking good for you in the long term. Like it's <laughs> it's something you really need to to focus on. And I'll I'll admit I wasn't I wasn't as digital focused. I mean, relativity. We spent a lot of time on events. We spent half the year focused on Relativity Fest and. You know, I think uh, ultimately right. made that a good virtual event, but it's different, right? And 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 needing to like strengthen um, how you perform when it comes to digital and, and being able to adapt. Um, and, and I think too, there's an expectation of just being better about meeting people where they're at, if that if that makes yeah. sense. 
I, I remember when the pandemic started and I kept going to all these virtual events and I would get so frustrated because I'm like, they just tried to take the physical event and then slap it into the digital world. Right. I, I'm sure there are some that have done it well, so don't get me wrong, but there was one I went to, a staffing conference, where you had an avatar and you fell into this virtual environment and you had to explore. But it 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 was it was not great. Like it was it, it was it was uh, uh, there were a lot of bugs. It was glitchy. Um, yeah. None of us had the time. We had kids running around. We were still adapting to the pandemic right. at this time to engage in a day long conference and take three days out of our lives and and imagine that we're somewhere else. Um, but then there were other companies that were like, hey, you know what? Instead of a conference, we're going to do a half hour webinar. Great. Right. <laughs> Nailed it. Like that's, <laughs> I, I, I can certainly do that. Like I'm, I'm still, I'm still surprised that Zoom doesn't have like a DVR function where like you yeah. could, you could pause a webinar in the middle of it <laughs> and go, but you can still get the recording afterwards, but yeah. rethinking how, what your content looks like to meet people where they're at. I, f I feel like that's, that changed a lot during the pandemic and that needs mm -hmm. to stay. I think, I, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon where people are going to be past Zoom fatigue. It's still right. real. Um, and I don't think there's going to be anytime soon where everyone's just back to doing things the old way and being in, a, like a, in their office surrounded by their industry. You do have to be a little bit more personable and you need to be thinking about the, the way people are going to consume information and the attention spans that, that folks have now or need to have now. I definitely agree. I mean, I, we've seen a lot of our clients actually switch more to a digital focus, but what, what we found just in general is a lot of, a lot of companies don't know how to do digital or do digital well, so to speak. And so there are like even some of the tools that have, have come out in the last couple of years are like AI based tools that allow for like companies to meet a particular demographic to where, where they're at right now in the buying process. That's new, but because I think marketers have been so focused on actually trying to promote their companies, like paying attention to some of the latest tools that allow them to meet their audience where they're at, you know, is often missed. So um, being able to just want to add another thing in terms of marketing to this climate right now, being able to learn about some of the tools that are out there that will help you you know, during this time will help a lot, especially in the longevity of having a, a digital presence. So yeah. Can, yeah. can, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, Would it, sure. It, it, are you seeing anything that is that's that's triggering marketers to come to that realization that they need to be more like, uh, meet, meeting people where they're at or need to be investigating this software? I, I am. I am. Um, what because uh, the legal industry is more uh, events focused, um, some companies have been in the dark in trying to meet their a client demand and then also how do you prospect? And so people have been trying to cultivate leads, but they don't know where to get leads from or perhaps their website or, or their digital assets don't meet their you know their way of prospect so to speak it just the messaging's off period 
And so when messaging is very specific to meet one core audience, say law firms or corporations or even procurement for that matter, you know, it's a very different message than a blanket message that is, you know, for companies, right? And so what we're finding is that even recommending some of the tools that they use, like we don't get anything out of it except for recommendations, but that is something that we're telling our clients about more and more so that they can incorporate it as part of their strategies, you know? No, that makes so, that makes sense. And and I think for if, if this is kind of in line with what you're saying too, I don't think a lot of marketers have made it over the hurdle to understanding that like, because ABM was a huge trend, what five years right. ago, and everyone was talking about it. Maybe More longer. More than that, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, but yeah. like, I don't think people realize that that now is marketing. Yeah, <laughs> and it definitely is. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't think everyone gets it. Like, I remember at at one company I was at, um, we were talking about building an ABM strategy, and they're like, "Oh, great, we'll spin one up, and we'll we'll hit like the top two hundred firms in our space." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I don't, that's." You're not talking about ABM anymore. Like I don't. Like, <laughs> I traditionally, this this is not what it is. You're you're just talking yeah. about what is what is accurate, which is marketing right. has to be heavily heavily personalized to be effective. Like that's, absolutely, that's just a strategy across the board. Not like a that's what ABM is about. That's like what marketing needs to be about. Absolutely. So on that note, do you have any last words for our audience? Any last recommendations or tips that that could help them yeah i mean i i was i was thinking about this ahead of time i'm like i don't, I don't know if it's done but i think i think i'd reiterate uh, if you're if you're a marketer get more digital if you haven't already get a better understanding of digital marketing tactics what works what doesn't what marketing tech is out there to support your digital efforts um think 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 about how you consume information. Mm-hmm. I, I find a lot of marketers still have some like traditional marketing ideas of what works. So like, um, and you know, some some industries, something like direct mail can, could still work. I personally don't open direct mail, um, and I don't attend two-hour webinars. <laughs> like, think <laughs> think about that and put together content that you would want to consume. Um, and then, and then my other big piece of advice, and, and I'm just like. Getting going on like uh, pet peeves I have <laughs> that I've seen in marketing, um, but just yeah. like, being authentic, like, mm. like understand who you are as a company. Um, yeah, I, I feel comfortable sharing this one because I, I'm sure this organization wouldn't be listening to the podcast. But we have we have a pet <laughs> we have a pet bunny, and like we we boarded the bunny at like a bunny boarding house when we were on vacation once. And I got an email, and it was like a LinkedIn message from that bunny boarding right. house about how much they support Martin Luther King Day. And they were tying it to like animals. And it was very, it was very <laughs> strange. It was very like trying really hard to like uh, make themselves meaningful at a time of meaning, but it wasn't authentic to like who you are as an organization. And it wasn't very meaningful. <laughs> And right. and it just struck me as like this is such a miss of of authenticity that would make a message like that actually resonate. Um, so you know, in in a, in a world right now of of COVID and a climate with a lot going on, and 
there's 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 so much to keep in mind about being just authentic and using an authentic voice and not trying to posture or not trying to sell something that you're not. Um, I, I guess that's that's the big one. I just I just want want to encourage marketers to be be authentic. Thank you so much, Sean, for your time with me today, and thank you for everything. So good luck um, on your next role, and I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a blast, Val, and uh, good luck to you as well. You've been listening to For the Record. To hear more marketing tips, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. To learn more about us, go to platform.com.